Deer found her. As you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. Today's guest is a serial entrepreneur who supports women in business as much as we do here. Her podcast and community, Liberty Road, supports women over 40. She is simply a force. You are going to walk away with so many incredible ideas and so many bits of knowledge from Netta Jones. I cannot wait for you to meet her. But before we get into today's conversation, I wanted to stop in and say hi. I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk, and I've been building brands for over two decades. With just a $500 investment, I founded, built, and sold a seven-figure business that reached 3 million people per month. After my exit, I've started all over again, building a community to support female founders to build their own brands. This podcast is my weekly letter to you to inspire you to find success through your own entrepreneurial endeavors. This podcast is also the show that I wanted 13 years ago when I became an accidental female founder. So if there's anything that you want to hear about or anything that you want me to share to help you through your own endeavors, I invite you to reach out. Simply shoot me an email, lindsay at lindsaypinchuk.com, or you can DM me at lindsaypinchuk, and I will, of course, get back to you. And if you're inspired by today's episode, I invite you to share it, text it to a friend, share it in your stories, tag me at lindsaypinchuk or dear founder, and I will come and say hi. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, I would love it if you left a positive rating or review as that's how other entrepreneurs and listeners discover our show and the incredible stories that we share here each and every week. All you have to do is go to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash dear found her and you can leave that rating or review on any platform where you listen. So let's meet today's guest. Since 2000, Netta Jones has had the privilege of working alongside female founders. From starting an online co-op of emerging designers and co-authoring an Amazon small business bestseller to creating conferences and workshops and consulting women-owned businesses, Netta has made it her business to empower women with an entrepreneurial spirit. After 20 years of listening to and serving female founders, Netta is using that knowledge to empower women in midlife to consider what's new and to be intentional about what's next. Today, Netta hosts the Liberty Road podcast and is the founder and CEO of Liberty Road, a platform to support and connect with women considering their possibilities in the middle third of life. Please come on in and meet my friend, Netta Jones. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I am so excited to dive into things with today's guest, Netta Jones, who is the founder and CEO of Liberty Road. And she's going to tell us in a few minutes exactly what Liberty Road is. But part of why I was so intrigued by Netta and why I wanted her on this podcast is because just like me, she is a huge, huge, huge proponent and supporter of female founders and entrepreneurs. And even more so with women who are considering the possibilities in this middle third of their life after 40. And what she is building and what she has built so far to support this demographic is really amazing. And I cannot wait for you to hear all about it. So Netta Jones, welcome to Dear Founder. Thank you for having me, Lindsay. I appreciate it. Of course. So I want to dive right in. I would love for everyone to hear your story what is it that you do? How did you get here? Let's hear it all. Okay. So I'll start with what we're doing now and then I'll give you a really back, like, you know, quick 30 second of my history. So what we're doing now is uh, Liberty Road is, as you said, um, currently a podcast for women in midlife. So we're really focused in the podcast on stories about women who are doing interesting things so that we can get our audience of 
women to consider their possibilities. So somebody who's done something entrepreneurial, somebody who has written a book, somebody who's done, uh, you know, started a nonprofit, um, somebody who wants to create a documentary has never done something like that. Someone who's working full time and wants to launch something on the side, sort of their dream business. So the intention is really, as women listen to these stories, they can start they can start to think about their own story and how to um, realize that. Because as you and I both know, it's one thing to tell a woman, "Go for it, you can do it." Rah rah. It's another thing to show her the way. And so, it is our aim that we both inspire and equip on the podcast. What we're doing this year, um, and you and I had a chance to to talk about this a little bit, but what we're doing this year is we're expanding um, our offerings. So we want to have a membership. We want to have a place where women in this middle third of life can dive a little bit deeper beyond the podcast. They can meet with some of the experts. For example, I can imagine having you in the membership teaching about what it might be to start their own um, small business and kind of that marketing process, really thinking about that. Or it could be that we have somebody who's written a book. We have so many people interested in writing a book in this season of their life. So have somebody really talk to them about the writing process or about the publishing process. So the intention with the membership is to go a little bit deeper and also to create community. Interestingly enough, we did a survey and the number two thing Number one was finding purpose and meaning in this season. The number two thing was relationships, Um, looking for meaningful friendships with other women. And I think what happens is as you approach your 40s, 50s, and 60s, you, your relationships become a lot about, if you have children, about your kids' friends, right? The other soccer moms, the other school moms. Um, And you sort of start to lose touch with who are the people you would seek out if you didn't have those, you know, your kids in common, who are the people you actually want to hang out with? And I'm not saying you don't want to hang out with those people, but sometimes that's not the case. If you're in that empty nest stage, you may have lost a lot of those relationships. Um, And then there's the relationship of the partner. And then there's the relationship of your kids as they get older. I think starting 12, as we talked about your daughter, and up, your relationship with your children really starts to shift. My, you know, I have one daughter who's 20 and now I'm, that's a, this is somebody who's adulting their way through the next five years of life. And so that shifts the way I talk to her and deal with her. So the point is the membership will, will be there to take people deeper. And then we've just brought on Stacy um, Lindsay, who was at Goop. She's at Maria Shriver. She's going to direct our um, online content. So somebody who really knows what they're doing in the editorial space. I'm so proud that we get her and uh, excited for what that online content will look like. So essentially, a liberty is all things for this woman who is experiencing this midlife uh, journey. And we're not, you know, we'll address menopause on occasion, occasion we'll address wellness and weight gain and weight loss and exercise and those sorts of things. But really the piece of the pie that we want to own in this midlife um, stage is around vocation and avocation, really getting people to think about what's next. So that's what we're doing. Really quickly, my background is my degree was in marketing. I spent the first 10 years of my life in all things corporate, um, in public relations, in PR, and in advertising, both in New York, in Colorado, and in Los Angeles. Um, I said both, all three. Um, uh, And a little bit, I dabbled in in Washington, D.C. for about three years, too. And at the end of that 10-year stint, um, really wanted to do something that I felt like was utilizing more of who I was. I felt like those sort of corporate opportunities give you opportunities to show up as who you really are, but I wanted something that fully embraced um, my skill set and my, you know, things I wanted to do. And so my uh, college roommate and I kind of looped back together, moved to New York City, 
and started something. This was in 1999. We launched in 2000. It was called Ned and Shell, Netta and Michelle. Um, we say it sounds like uh, two old Jewish men that opened a bagel shop, but it wasn't. It was, it was a platform for um, really new designers in fashion, beauty, and um, uh, kind of housewares uh, and accessories to have real estate on a website and then we drop shipped all their product. It, it was similar to Etsy in that people could create their own little page of product. The difference was we did all the drop shipping and it was all branded within Net and Shell. We ran that for nine years. We opened a wholesale division and we took, um, we would have about 40 women in, in, you know, on the website at any given time. And we would take the top five to 10 who could really manufacture at the level we needed them to, um, and who had the kind of product that would warrant uh, a trade show. And we were, you know, we would get their products in Nordstrom and Anthropology and, and Macy's and all, all the things. Um, fast forward, she had two kids. I had three kids. I moved to the West Coast and a retail and wholesale offering didn't quite mesh with the lives that we wanted to be living. Our relationship stayed intact after all those years. We're still great friends. Um, she wanted to go a slightly different direction. I wanted to stay in the entrepreneurial space. I realized that the thing I loved most about working with all of those women was the support we were giving them to realize their own entrepreneurial ventures. And so I, uh, we wrote a book. McGraw-Hill published a book for us. It was kind of like a a how-to, and McGraw-Hill was really into this mompreneur kind of they all things mompreneur. They wanted they wanted that name on the title. The book even looked a little bit like a cookbook. It had like a pink and hot pink checker. I hated it. I was opposed to all of it. I was like, you don't call a mom doctor a mockter, but okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, you're laughing, but you know, you know, you know, the drill. I, know I was exactly like, what you mean. we, we do this just like men do, but it was, it was a good platform for us. Um, and, and this was how we tied up this nine year kind of, uh, venture. And so I thought, okay, I want to capitalize on that. Your book platform lasts about six months, maybe a year. And so I launched a, a series of conferences here in Los Angeles that were intended just for entrepreneurial women. We would have 500 women at the conferences. We would have tools in kind of a marketplace for them to, you know, booths of people that could do cool things for them, whether it was um, technology or graphic design or banking. Um, and then we had really amazing women come to the main stage to talk to them about, to, to once again, inspire and equip them on how to launch and grow their, their ventures. Um, did that for three years. And what came of it was all these people asking me if I could consult them in their businesses. So I became an accidental consultant. It worked beautifully with raising my three kids and coming and going as I wanted to as a mom. That was, that was my decision. And then uh, kind of fast forward to last February when I said, you know, I've really enjoyed all these years of being a consultant and helping these other women to grow their ventures, but I'd actually really like to work on mine. And so Liberty Road is now my venture. This is, this is my love letter to other women in their midlife. And it's, really a function of what I am looking for in my own life right now and what I wish I had. Um, I'm trying to create for others. So thanks for asking that question. Sorry, it was so long-winded. No, I'm so glad that you answered the way that you did and that you shared so much detail. I, you know, a very big part of why, what drew me to you is just our similarities and mm -hmm. our stories also. I mean, you built two platforms. You built a platform and then you are now building another platform. Yeah. And both times they kind of fit with your life. I mean, yes, the first one was, you know, more of that retail e-commerce type space, but like you built a big platform that to your point helped you help others. And that's what launched your consulting business. And then now you're doing it all over again. Yeah. 
And yeah. that's what I'm doing. You know, it's like I launched a platform for brand new moms when I became a new mom. And now I'm launching a platform to help other founders because I wanted this help when I was a founder, an accidental founder. So, you know, I love your story for, of course, so many reasons. But what got you to the point that you were like, oh, I want to do this again? Because a lot of people don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I'll answer in a couple ways. So one, I'm 55. And although I haven't tried to go out and get a job, one of the things I've heard time and time and time again, both by people that I interview on the podcast, but also by my peers, is how difficult it is to stay in, never mind re-enter that arena. Um, it doesn't appeal to me to go back and work for somebody. I think I'd be a terrible employee. I have too many ideas and too many, I have a vision for what I want to see realized. And that doesn't usually match up with somebody else's vision, right? In a corporate setting. Um, I do not feel, and, and I know other people my age do feel this. I don't feel any need to plan out a retirement. I don't feel any need to slow down. I feel like what I have to offer is still coming. I've done some really cool things. I'm very proud of them, but I don't feel like the thing I'm supposed to do, the thing I've been called to do, which is my own language. I feel like there's been something that's been placed on my heart. There's been something that I was created to do. And I don't feel like that work outside of raising my children. I don't think that work has been done. So I felt very compelled to do this work. So one, I don't, I'm not interested in going back into a corporate environment Two, um, I'm very interested in seeing this through. I'm very passionate about bringing something to fruition. And I think three is just, there's a great need. Um, I think women over 40, we're kind of the most boring diversity like issue, right? No one really wants to tackle age and no one wants to tackle women in menopause and like, it's not sexy. Um, I didn't want to tackle it when it first came to my mind. It took me years to be like, Oh my gosh, is this going to dumb down the brand? Do I really want to go after this? And then I just thought no one is doing this very well. And also I started to see how the menopause arena was opening up. Cooler brands were being made, more conversation was being had. And I thought, okay, if that's being tackled, then surely I can ride those coattails a little bit and come alongside and say, can we talk about what we're going to do? Cause we're actually more than menopause. We're more than our hormone hormones. So let's talk about what we're going to do in this next season and what barriers we still need to break so that women can launch something new, can go back to work, you know? Well, I think too, with this demographic, like one, it's a sizable demographic, right? Yes. So like there are a lot of women in this demographic at this moment, but there are a lot of women in this demographic. And I would say it's probably one of the first generations that there are a lot of women who worked yeah. and who, and who really did work. And, and, um, you know, some definitely went home and stayed home with their kids, but maybe went back or want to go back. But this is a very unique generation yeah. in that one, like, like I was, I always tell like my mom's generation, like, like they never talked about menopause. Like they're, everything was such a secret. You know what I mean? Like this is not that gener like this generation no. now it's not, things aren't a secret. People talk about things. People are more open. And I just think from a cultural, like standpoint, this is a generation of women who went to work. And so they need support and there's never been support given to them. And so yeah. the fact that you've identified this is, is brilliant, of course, you know, and I think that it is to your point, so needed. It, I mean, it is so yeah. needed what you're doing. And I, and I, that's a big reason why I have you here today, because so many women come to me in this demographic and they want support. And so I think yeah. it's so important what you're doing. I want to, so yeah, go ahead. Sorry. You said something that I think is kind of worth mentioning. You talked about how so many women in this generation worked and that's true. I also think that for those who took time off, unlike our mother's gen, and even though there's an age gap between you and I, our mothers are 
pretty similar probably in the experience that they had. When my mom was 55, she wasn't thinking about going back to work or starting something new. She was thinking about, okay, I'm, you know, eight years away from retirement age. What, what can I do to wind things down? The women I'm talking to, they, because of the economy and the price of living, the cost of living, they're trying to figure out how to be, uh, how to play a more substantial role in giving to the household income if they've taken that, that time off. Now, if you've taken 15 years off, how do you contribute to your household income if you can't get a job? So, and they aren't looking at a job for eight years. They're looking at, I might need to work until I'm 70, right? Retirement age is changing. We're living longer. That means we have to have more money to last us longer in retirement. So we have to start to tackle these things for working women, for non-working women in this midlife stage. It's interesting that you say that. I had a conversation yesterday with someone who is the same age as you. So yes, we do have a little bit of a gap, but like, I don't think it's that much, but um, like same age as you. And she has a company and she said to me, like, I will, I will never be upset if I miss the years of Maj and Canasta because Mm -hmm. I like to work and I am like so happy to have this company that I've built filling my bucket And she just said, I just wish that I was a little less stressed out. And so that's, you know, but that's what you're doing. Like your whole platform is to relieve the stress from this demographic who, you know, things, things have changed in the workplace. Things have changed in the world of business, whether you're an entrepreneur or you work for a corporation. And what you're doing is to support the women who want to still be in that space. Yeah. You, you said something about kind of her stress and I think the number, I don't know if it's number four or five, but high up in the number on the survey we did of things that people are stressed about, concerned about, want to see in the membership is uh, technical training to remain relevant. And no one wants to sit in a room and listen to a bunch of 20-year-olds tell them about social media and Instagram. It's annoying. Um and it's, uh, and it's cringy, right? For both parties. We need people like you and me who are like, let me break it down for you. Here's what you Why need do you to do. Why do you think I have my class? Yes. <laughs> I mean, exactly. that's my whole class came from, came from someone who is in your generation and your yeah. age bracket that said, can you break it down for me? And yeah. so, and when I did, she was like, well, thank you because you've made a huge impact on me you should do a class. And so I did a class and it was mostly people. I mean, there wasn't, I don't think a single person under 40 in my class to your point, because they don't, I don't, and I don't want to hear from 20 year olds and you don't want to hear from 20 year olds. And quite honestly, the 20 year olds don't want to hear from us. Yeah. 100%. And the thing we're trying to accomplish is sometimes different. Like I'm all for cross general generation mentoring. I truly am. I think we have a lot to learn from the generation below us and from the generation ahead of us. But when you're trying to accomplish something, if you feel like it's being dumbed down for you, it's really hard to kind of get in this, um, generative zone where you're feeling like, yeah, this is awesome. I've got this. I know what to do with this. And if somebody's showing you how to use it for their purposes, it's very different than your purposes as a 40, 50 or 60 year old who's trying to launch something. Maybe you just want to be an influencer at that stage. You know, I just interviewed two women from England who they're part of the silver sisterhood. This was all news to me. It's all women who are going gray naturally they have huge followings. They're getting paid from brands. They're doing these extraordinary things. And it was just really because they learned how to master one platform, Instagram. And now they're doing something. They, it was a side hustle for both of them. And one of them was in teaching and now she's not teaching anymore. She's focused on her platform. So there's so much opportunity if we can get this knowledge into the hands of this group of women. And I have said, and it's very soapboxing and soapboxy and people will roll their eyes, but if we can teach women in this demographic, in this stage of life, if we can teach them, give them the tools they need to go out and do the things they're each respectively called to do, half the world's problems will be taken care of. Like it, it truly, this isn't a time to be stepping back. It's a time to be stepping up. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I couldn't agree with you more. 
Hi guys, it's me, Lindsay. I'm not sure if you're aware, but over the last nine months, I haven't just helped big enterprise brands on their marketing efforts through my consulting firm. I've also helped over a dozen women, small business owners in launching their companies, building their brands, and to tweak what wasn't working. I've been building and growing brands for nearly 25 years, but I've forever used one method to build my own brands and that of my clients and students. My signature sweep method utilizes social media, your website, emails, events, partnerships, and publicity to generate and execute cost-effective community-centric marketing strategies. If you're looking for that added layer of guidance, please reach out. There's a link in my show notes. Book a call with me and let's see how I can help you. I can't wait to meet you and learn about your business. Now back to the show. You said something earlier about creating community. And I think that that too is something that this demographic is very attuned with Mm -hmm. and also the need to create community, not just online. Um, Because, you know, I think that we, we have been, we have lived a life where there hasn't been social media and so has this demographic. So I would love to, I would love for you to weigh in a little bit about this community piece and why it's so important in what you're building. So, um, you're asking in the perfect time, um, we will be launching, uh, the first, uh, live event in person event will be a workshop plus dinner. I wanted to have, I didn't want to go back and create the conference that I had created in the past. I wanted to create something, um, where people could engage with one another. And I even didn't want to create a stage. I didn't want people sitting in a chair looking at a stage because I thought most of the women who are going to be in this audience could themselves be standing up teaching any one of us something. And so I wanted to create something that was much more interactive seeing people at long tables with notebooks in their hands, taking notes, small exercises with the people around you, creating that sort of community, creating the ahas, creating opportunities for people to talk and to be listened to and for others to listen and to share their own thoughts. And then to, you know, break bread together at the end, to have a meal together. And I thought that's the kind of community I want to cultivate and the kind of community I want to bring together. So our first one will be October 5th here in Los Angeles. And then the idea is that we'll try and hit a couple more cities um, each year. So ideally we would do one a quarter um, and hit some different cities. And then from that, my hope is that in those respective cities, people will continue to meet and we'll give them tools so that they can continue to meet. When I was consulting, um, and Lindsay, you're, you're going to laugh because you know this firsthand, but so many people wanted to pick my brain and have coffee and take mm-hmm. me out to lunch. And I was well caffeinated and well fed for many, many uh, months. I and then too. I, yeah. I am too. <laughs> yeah. And I, just was like, I have to start saying no. I didn't want to say no to the people. I wanted to say no to the way I was doing it. So what I did was I created something called Mentor Monday. It was free. It was just uh, once a month, one, I think it was the second Monday of the month um, at a coffee shop. My friend owned the coffee shop. She agreed to do this with me. And I just said, hey, if you want to pick my brain, have coffee, buy me coffee, whatever, I do it once a month, you can come. And we would have, as it, as it grew, we would have, you know, between 10 and 40 women show up. I mean, it just depended on, on the week. And it grew to the point where I started to identify people who could sort of lead these Mentor Mondays, these coffee groups in other parts of Los Angeles. Um, and then a few people would move away and they'd say, hey, can I bring Mentor Monday to Austin? Can I bring it to Texas? I mean, to, to New York. Can I bring it to Seattle? We ended up having nine Mentor Mondays and I would just give them the five questions, prompts to ask at the table. And then a lot of it was about working through each other's entrepreneurial issues. This was specifically for entrepreneurs. I'd love to see us sort of reignite that, but for this demographic and not necessarily just for, um, entrepreneurs, but to have a focus, you know, it's not just to come and complain about whatever it's, it, it, there's some, again, this kind of idea of something positive and generative that you're going to get from it. So I think the hope is that as we 
flush out what membership looks like. There's both an online and an offline community offering because I think that's what we need. We need each other. Oh, it's it's absolutely what we need. And I love that story that you just shared about Mentor Monday because it, one, just goes to show people want it. Mm -hmm. And two, it also goes to show just how simple a concept can be that leads to big results, both for you and for others. And I think oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we really overlook the things that are right in front of us. And that was such a great solve to your not problem, because it's not a problem to, for people to want to pick your brain, but to your time problem, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they got to get to know me in a very sort of distant way, you know, and if they liked what they saw, then they could pay for my consulting. And if they didn't, right. they could move on. No harm, no foul. But what was so great is that I wasn't mentoring the group. They were mentoring each other. So someone would bring up a problem and other people would have different solves for that problem. Um, it was, yeah, it was, I recommend it for you and for anybody in the consulting space who I mean, has people who want it. I'm yeah. like, oh my God. Yeah. I'm like, I, I need to do this. I need to yeah. have found her Fridays. Like, and yes. I like, as you're telling me this, I'm like, I just went to a place for lunch that has an event space upstairs that like they don't use during the day. I mean, like it's brilliant I, as you're telling me this. I'm like, this is genius. It's yeah. brilliant. And like, and, and that's why I like, we ask these questions here because these are the types of things that like anyone can be doing within yes. their own business. It doesn't have to be a community-based platform, but businesses can do these things and solve their communities problems in real life or online or whatever it is. And even if it doesn't have anything to do with what you're selling, it brings your level of authority. It brings you to a different level of authority and, and it ends up helping your bottom line no matter what. And that's why I'm glad that we're talking about this. So I do have a question for you in terms of building this platform. And when you started building Liberty road, what was it that you were like, I want to start, I'm going to start with a podcast. Like, why did you start with a podcast? Um, so it was by default. So when I was consulting, I had the podcast, be, I created the podcast because I was meeting so many cool women. And I thought, gosh, if we could share their stories and we can, and, and more women have access to what I'm hearing, then we can inspire these these women to kind of go do their own thing. It was, it was, it was a side gig. It wasn't even a side hustle. I wasn't even making money off of it. It was just like, let me record some of these really cool conversations that I get to have. And it was also a way to meet people. I mean, you and I chatted with this when you were on my podcast, like you get to meet the coolest people and I could say, Hey, come on my podcast. You're somebody I'd love to get to know. And so it it served those two purposes. And it also was further branding me as a consultant. Like people could hear my expertise on there. They could hear me um, as I was interviewing, giving my two cents. And it was a way to get to know me. So it it kind of helped build um, my authority and my bottom line. Once I decided that I wanted to focus on the midlife space and I wanted to create this multimedia platform for this demographic. I thought, well, we already have the podcast. We already have a listenership. Let me see if the listenership is nimble enough to kind of move over with me. So in February, we sort of announced there's a new brand. It's Liberty Road. Now it's not Liberty for her, which is what it was called. And we're going to focus on telling more stories about women over 40. They were still entrepreneurial stories. So there was still a through line between what I used to do and what what I'm doing now. And then slowly over time, we've started to incorporate more experts coming on and talking about issues that are midlife issues. Uh, Again, more so around kind of vocation. Um, so it was, again, it was by default. It was something I already had. I already had an audience. I was like, let me take them along for the ride. And we really haven't lost anybody. In fact, our listenership has gone up. Um, and I think that's, you know, we've gone from something that's so niche to something that's much bigger. There's a lot more women that are in midlife. And even those who aren't interested in something entrepreneurial, they want to hear the stories of what other women in midlife are doing because they may not have any desire to go start a business, but I think it helps them to 
to view their life as there's, I still have a lot to offer. There's still a lot more for me to do. The thing that I love so much about this is, um, you know, it, you have built this in a way very similar to how I built Bump Club and it was really just by necessity. I mean, you said mm-hmm. it yourself. You just said this wasn't even a side hustle. I wasn't even like making money from it. Yeah. And, and, and yes, it did not, it has not happened overnight, but Liberty Road is a story of you starting something that you wanted to start sort of for yourself and mm-hmm. following the prompts from the community and what they needed and what you needed along the way and making those shifts and changes to what it is today. And that is why I think this is so cool because it's not, and correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. it's not like you had a business plan and you were like, this is what I'm going to create. Like this was by necessity and really by default. Yeah. In fact, to your point, I had a business plan for something that looked very different. Um, and it was, it was a little bit more of a, how do I connect people with other experts in the entrepreneurial world? How do I create something that is, is a business? And I basically take a little bit off the top of all of these experts I have. And I was like, ah, this is, I'm not passionate about this. I don't care. And one by one, I was having lunch with women, my age, cocktails with women my age, going on walks with women my age. And I was hearing them lament, you know, dreams that weren't realized, issues around relationships with children or spouses, partners. What am I going to do with this next season? My last one's off to college. Those are the conversations I was steeped in. I'm like, I'm ha- I know what the problems are. I'm listening to them firsthand. And I think that I have something to offer. Uh, that demographic. Let's, let's do that instead. And then I created a business plan. So other than your, other than your membership, how are you going to monetize this community? Great question. It's funny. I hear people all the time who are sort of like, now what are you doing? And I think the real question is now, how are you going to make money? (laughs) Um, And so, yes, there's a, there's three ways. Um, one is the membership, as you said, which is people will pay a monthly or an annual fee to belong to the membership. Two is we will start to actually monetize our content. So our online content will have affiliates. Um, our podcasts will start to have advertisers. I'll start to take time. We've got listenership in, in a place now where we can have some sponsored um, advertising that will benefit from that listenership. Um, and then, and then the events, the live events, we are looking at those live events, not just, I think some brands can look at them as, oh, it's just for marketing. Um, if you can scale it, if you can do it right, if you can do enough of it, you can actually make money off of it. I mean, we saw that with create and cultivate, right? They, for those who know them, that's what they did. And Jacqueline was able to, 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 to scale it in such a way that then the online offering became more and more robust and she sold it and she's sitting pretty now. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. What would you tell another founder about patience? Because I think you've had a lot of it. This is not mm. something that has happened overnight in this second, in this 2.0 of yours. And I think that you have to have patience to see the end game or what yeah. it will be. And, it, yeah. you know, you don't know what it's going to be, but 
you know it's not going to be tomorrow. So what would you tell another founder about patience? Yeah. And you also have to have patience to see what sticks because you may have a plan, you know, uh, set in stone and the world, you know, upsets that plan, whether it's um, COVID or um, the economy or your own life circumstances. So you have to be elastic and you have to be nimble and you have to be able to pivot quickly. So it's, it takes time, patience and, and that ability. I would say really get clear about financially, what is it that you need? If, if you know it's going to take X amount of time, double that. Just double what you think it's going to take. If you need a job, some sort of other gig that's going to give you money, um, that's going to give you some sort of uh, security so that you can do make the right decision for this thing that you're trying to create instead of just, I've got to hurry and monetize this and it might not be what's best for the brand. Um, I would encourage you to do that. Um, what I did was uh, I stopped consulting. I retired from consulting. I started to focus on the brand. And for the first time, I went out and I got some money. I raised some money. And I raised money because I had never raised money before. And I knew how long it took uh, me to try and accomplish something by myself. And I thought, this is what I'm trying to do is a heavier lift. I need more people involved. I need really good people, people who are better than I am in these respective areas. It's going to take money. It's not a lot of money. I raised $75,000 and I'm going to raise an additional $75,000 at the the beginning of January and see where that leads me. It's enough for me to get things off my feet. And it's not so much that I feel beholden to you know, it's not angel investment. It's not venture. It's nothing institutional, truly friends and family. I am one of the investors, um, my husband and I, um, and, um, and I am not paying myself until, you know, the end of the year. And hopefully I'll be able to at that point. So I had a plan of what I needed. I was realistic about what I needed and the people I needed to bring along instead of trying to do it all myself, which I had already done and decided I was going to take a different approach this time. So I have two more questions for you. Just so yeah. you know, I'm yeah. being mindful of our time. Yeah. Um, the first thing that I wanted to ask you is you talked in the beginning just about how you, you've built your own destiny, essentially. I mean, you mm-hmm. really had like through, as you shared your story, like every single step along the way you created for your own life. What would you tell another woman who really wants to create their own destiny? I mean, you talked about in the beginning how Ned and Shell really, you know, when you when you entered that second phase of it, like it was like you had your kids and, and, and then you started consulting and the consulting was perfect for your lifestyle as a mom as you were raising your kids. I mean, most moms don't have that. Most moms can't say that, that my job was perfect for when I was raising my That's kids. Right. You know, how would you... What would you tell another woman who wants to create that for themselves in doing so? Because I think a lot of women are just so lost on that. Yeah. Well, first of all, let me be very clear. I if if someone said I want to do what you're doing and I actually have a woman in my life who did that very thing. She has 3 kids. She's in her late 30s. She's somebody I've known for a while and she said I want to do essentially what you're doing. How do I do it? I was very clear that just because it was the perfect job didn't mean it was the perfect amount of money, right? I gave up a lot of money had I been working full-time or working for somebody else. I made money. I kept myself involved. I kept myself in the game. When summer came around, I took on less clients because we wanted to do things as a family. When fall came along, I had the same back-to-school schedule as my kids. I took on more clients. Um, And... So I would say be really realistic about what that looks like. It may have looked like I was living the dream, but just be really clear about what that dream looks like. And if you want to do it the way I did it and create that for yourself, there are lots of ways that you could have monetized other things about your time. I could have brought on two other people and trained them to consult and really ran something that looked more like an agency. And you you could do that. 
as a mom. Um, so I think it's being realistic about what you need to get out of it. Um, and then being realistic about the things you're going to say no to that your kids need. I can't be there for every single pickup. I can't be there for every single drop off. I will be there for the games, but I won't be there for practices. I will make, you know, cupcakes for the last day of the last game, but I'm not making them for, you know, the kids in between what, whatever it was, be realistic about what you can do as a mom, because, um, otherwise you're, you're, you're not doing anything really well anyway. So. Thank you for saying that. I, you know, I think a lot of people often with me and bump club, um, assumed that I was always riding high and I did give up a lot in the moment, you know, um, granted, I, you know, I hopefully made up for a lot of it when I sold my company, but in the moment I gave up a huge salary to have no salary to build yeah. a company. And there was a sacrifice. And I think, you know, you have to, I think it's important for people like us to point that sacrifice out because even though things might seem one way, they're not always. Um, I remember one moment I was about to go on stage at my conference, literally 500 women in the audience. And I get a text from my husband and my daughter had broken her arm. Um, he'd taken her and I was like, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm about to go on stage. So he took her, he's like, no problem. I was so upset that I couldn't be there for her. He brought her back in a purple cast. She was backstage. By the time I got off the stage, this, you know, it was the second thing I was doing on the stage. So about halfway through the day, he brought her back. She was there with her cast. We happened to have Forbes online uh, in the room, one of their journalists, and they took a picture of me and Sophia with her cast. And they, the article was something like, you know, every working mom's nightmare, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like they can't be there for their kid or whatever. And I was like, the only problem with that story is they tied a really pretty bow on something that was actually really difficult. It was really difficult for me not to be there. Um, and if you saw the end result where my, you know, husband was able to be there, was able to bring her to the conference. She was able to have this cute purple cast. What if I didn't have a husband? What if I was a single mom? What if my husband was traveling? What if he wasn't available? Um, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make up for all those other gaps that women feel and experience. So I just want to be really clear about, about that. Cause yeah. I think we need to give women permission to have it be difficult and look ugly and messy. And, um, and then the flip side is, you know, your kids get to see you working really hard and, and doing something really cool. And you have two daughters. I have a daughter and two sons and I want all of them to see that I'm working hard to build something and, um, not just to be proud of me, but also to see that that's what it takes to, to make things yes, happen. And it's hard work. Yep. And yeah. that's, I mean, that's why I get up every single day and I'm sure you would agree yeah. on, on your front as well. Yeah. So my last question to you is the same question I ask everyone at the end, and that is what are three actionable steps you would tell a female founder who's starting out? Mm. First and foremost, and I'm sure everyone, everyone says this, start, just freaking start. Uh, so many people play things out in their heads. They make long lists of what needs to happen before they can start. Just start. By the time you iterate for all the changes that you will need to make. Cause it's usually not exactly what you, when you start it, it usually doesn't end up being exactly what it was in the beginning, right? You need to make room for all those iterations. Um, you will have moved the needle so much just by starting, you will surprise yourself. Um, so just start. The second thing is probably to get support. And if you can't afford support, find a way to, um, you know, do some sort of trade. If there's something that, you know, uh, you're not good at and you need help with, find a way to get that support. I cannot tell you how important it is to have that network of people. And by support, I also mean, get some buy-in from a partner, a best friend, a family member, somebody who can check in on you. It's really lonely out there as, as a solo kind of person. 
starting your own business, being an entrepreneur, make sure you've got somebody who you can act as a sounding board for you. Um, and then the last thing is take care of yourself. Uh, it's very easy to just drive, 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 because your everything is on your shoulders. Take breaks, get away from your work, go on walks without listening to a podcast, not even yours. Um, and really just give yourself some time to think don't be afraid to change your mind. Don't be afraid to iterate. Don't be afraid to say, I got it wrong. So you can recover quickly. Go ahead and make those mistakes. But you don't know that they're mistakes if you don't take the time to really think and examine what's going on. Netta Jones, founder and CEO of Liberty Road. Thank you so much for being here. I've so enjoyed our conversation and all that you have to offer to our community. Where can people find you? You can find us. Thank you for, for that, Lindsay. And they can find us on uh, liberty-road.com. And you can find us on Instagram at this is Liberty Road. And we'll link both in the show notes. Thank you so much again. Thank you for having me, Lindsay. I so appreciate it. I told you that you were going to walk away from today's conversation with a lot of information and knowledge and wisdom and most important ideas. I also want you to take a minute and check out the Liberty Road podcast. It's an amazing show that Netta hosts. I have been on it. I'm going to link my episode in the show notes so that you can check it out. We had an amazing conversation there as well. But for now, I want you to take out your pen and paper because I want to leave you with my top five takeaways from today's conversation with Netta Jones, founder of Liberty Road. Number one, if you don't want to slow down, don't. You don't have to let anyone else plan your retirement. If you still want to put out into the world, then keep at it. Number two, harness the power of in-person events for your own community. They are a place where people can meet and engage with one another, and you can't replace that with anything else. Number three, you also have to have patience to see what sticks in business. Sometimes your plans don't work out as you think that they will, and you have to have patience to get to the other side. Number four, when you work for yourself, you make sacrifices. You always make sacrifices, just as you do anywhere in your life, and you have to know that going into entrepreneurship. Number five, don't be afraid to give yourself a break, both physically and mentally. I want to thank Netta Jones for being here today, and I want to thank all of you for listening. Please stay tuned. We have another amazing Founder Files episode coming your way on Tuesday and then another incredible interview with an awesome founder coming your way next Thursday. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for being here. Have a great weekend.